Hey everybody, welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. It's Matt here, and at the end of this episode, I'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free Journey app where you can access all of our recent message content. And actually, the app's the easiest way to share all this content with a friend and to keep up with everything going on around here at Journey. Just search Journey Calway in your app store. Now, most importantly, I hope this message inspires you to take your next step in following Jesus. Well, all of us have had seasons of life where we repeated the same mistake over and over and over again. You've done that, haven't you? So have I. It is so frustrating, and it's also foolish. There's something way worse than going through pain or making mistakes. It's wasting the pain and making the same mistakes over and over again. As we've said throughout this series, pain without gain, well, that is a shame. And in the current season we're in, all of us are feeling pain in different ways. We can't avoid that. But what we can do is learn from it. If we've got to go through it, we might as well be better for it. And so we've been asking the question throughout this series, well, how can we be better for it? And we've talked about what it looks like to have a better perspective, to learn a better perspective as we go through this pandemic. We've talked about what it looks like to be better emotionally because all of us are wrestling with and grappling with worry and stress and fear and doubt and anxiety. So we talked about what it looks like to learn from those things. Today, I want to drill into another area that I think all of us are learning some very, very valuable lessons as we go throughout this season. Specifically, how can we be better for it financially? Now, I want to circle back to a couple questions I gave you to think about and to discuss in week one, episode one of this series. And what I want to do is apply these to our financial situation. So take a moment and think about this. When it comes to your finances, What have we been doing that almost led to our undoing? What is it that you've been doing financially that has almost led to your undoing, or maybe in this season it did lead to your undoing? A financial habit that you thought, oh, it's going to be okay, and I'll work that out later, I'll fix that later, I'll change later, but nope, it caught up with you during this season. What have you been doing that almost led to your undoing? Here's another great question for us. What should we begin doing now that we should have been doing all along. In other words, when it comes to your finances, what are some of the things you found yourself thinking, and maybe even saying out loud? I wish I would have if I'd only started, if I just had. When you identify what those things are, those are some valuable, valuable, valuable lessons for all of us to learn. What I want to do today is I want to start by giving you three lessons that I think we all need to learn or be reminded of as we go throughout this season. The first lesson is this, I want is better than I owe. This is so true. I want is better than I owe because, because you know what? I want doesn't come with monthly payments, does it? I want comes with margin. If I just say, I want it, I want it, but I'm not going to get it. I want it, I want it, but I'm not going into debt to have it. I want comes with margin and margin gives you peace. And guess what peace does? Peace makes you happy. It always makes you happy. So during this season, we've been reminded, oh yeah, I want is actually better than I owe. And for some of you, you came into this season with debt that you didn't need to have. Debt that, well, you wouldn't want to call it this, but it was unwise. Maybe it was irresponsible. But at the time, with the circumstances, you could handle it. You'd be okay. I mean, you weren't going to have much margin, but you know what? You'd cover it and take care of it. And then this hit, and it put pressure And it squeezed the margin financially, and you didn't have enough margin to squeeze. 
And now you have found yourself going, I wish I didn't know on that. I wish I didn't have that monthly payment. I wish I had not bought that and instead put that in savings. What you've learned is I want is better than I owe. It's always better to want things than to owe money on things. Here's the second financial lesson. A financial hole is usually due to a lack of self-control. This is harsh, I know. This is direct, but hang with me. None of us want to admit this. We want to blame our financial holes on circumstances or on what this person did or on this unexpected surprise. But the reality is a financial hole is usually, it's probably always, but I want to be kind. So I gave you a little wiggle room. It is usually due to a lack of self-control. Now, let me see if I can convince you of this. Before the pandemic hit, what did you always say when it came to your income? If I only made more money, if they just paid me more, you might have even said, I think I deserve more. Everything before the pandemic was, if I just made more money. Then the pandemic hit and you found yourself thinking, if only I'd save more money. It went from, I wish I made more, to I wish I'd save more. Because what the pandemic revealed for many of us was we didn't actually have an income problem. We had a self-control problem. We didn't have an income problem. We create a financial hole for ourselves because we didn't have enough self-discipline to manage what we already had wisely and well. I'm telling you, a financial hole, you know this, it's usually due to a lack of self-control, and we're learning that through this pandemic. Or on the other side, some of you who practice self-discipline and it's been painful, You've been doing all the right things, but you looked around, you saw other people, you know, getting what they wanted, and you had to wait, you had to save, or you had to say no to yourself. It's been so painful, and you thought, I don't know it's worth it. Well, now you're so grateful for all that self-discipline and self-control, aren't you? Here's the third lesson, and this one may be a little counterintuitive. Happy is a person whose life revolves around giving rather than receiving. Now, some of you have learned this in the pandemic, but not all of you. But some of you, because of your self-discipline, because of the first two, because you chose to live with I want instead of I owe, and you chose to live with a measure of self-control financially because of that, you were in a, a position when the pandemic hit to be generous, to be as generous as you wanted to be, to step in when you saw some real needs and to meet those needs financially. And you have experienced happiness as a result. But my guess is... That didn't start for you in the pandemic. That was already a lifestyle for you. And you've experienced happiness all along. It's a little counterintuitive. But happy is a person whose life revolves around giving instead of receiving. It's not natural, but it's better. Now, others of you, you're on the other side of it. Others of you, and I'm not trying to be critical, but your life has revolved around receiving. I'm not saying trying to get from everybody else. I'm just saying your life is revolved around, well, whatever I have, it's for me. And so I'm going to use it primarily for my benefit. And one of the things that you are discovering in this pandemic is, you know what? That doesn't deliver the meaning, the happiness, the significance, the kind of joy. It doesn't deliver long term what you're actually looking for. Now, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, you probably, you know, mentally at least, acknowledge or assent to the fact that this is probably true. You probably have heard and maybe even said at some point or told your kids, you know, or heard your parents tell you, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Well, guess what? Jesus said that. We're going to come back to what else he had to say in just a minute. But while we know that that sounds good and while we know it's probably true in life in general, we really do have a hard time living it out. Why is that? 
Well, let me circle back to what Jesus had to say for just a minute. And if you're not a Christian, you, you can take these three lessons. You can run with them because they're true for you and they're going to apply for you, but I, to you. But I hope you'll lean in for just a second because what Jesus said about financial lifestyles was really, really interesting. Jesus taught that all financial lifestyles are not created equal, that there are some preferred over others, that there are some that produce a very different outcome in a person's life than others. Let me just let him speak for himself. Here's what he had to say about this. In Matthew chapter 6, he said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and vermin, we don't use that word anymore, do we? Where moss and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. This was Jesus' way of saying, don't fall for the consumption assumption. You know what the consumption assumption is? This is deep, okay? So get ready. You may want to take notes. The consumption assumption is the assumption that everything is for my consumption. It's pretty simple. But this is how most of us think, isn't it? Whenever you get a raise, whenever you come across a little more money, whenever you you gain a little bit extra, what are your first thoughts? Well, your natural first thoughts are probably, oh, great, how can I use this for me? Well, there's the consumption assumption right there. It is the assumption that anything that's placed in my hand must first and foremost be for my consumption. It's got to be for my benefit. It's got to be for me. And Jesus pushes back on that. He says, no, no, no. If you live that way, you're going to have less peace, you're going to have less happiness, and you're going to experience less significance in life. The consumption assumption Storing up for yourself on earth and assuming that's all there is to it. It's just get as much out of life right now as I can for myself. Jesus says that's going to lead you to owe and owe and owe. That's going to lead you into death. That's going to lead you to have no margin. That's going to lead you to a financial hole that comes from a lack of self-control. Because you're going to be pursuing nothing more than what you want. And you know this, so it's true for me too. Our wanters never end, do they? Our wanters get stuck on go all the time. And if we keep feeding the I want, I want, I want, it's not like suddenly we're satisfied. We just find ourselves always wanting a little bit more. That's the deal with appetites. That's the problem with them. They're never fully or finally satisfied. So Jesus says there is a different financial lifestyle you can live. It's actually better for you. It actually leads to more happiness, to more peace, to more margin, and to more significance. Here was the flip side of this. He said in verse 20, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin don't destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal. Now, this makes no sense, does it? I mean, if you're sitting there thinking, well, how do you store up treasure in heaven? Great question. UPS doesn't deliver there. What in the world is he talking about? Why don't you think about it this way? Some employers, some organizations, and maybe if you work at one of these, you know, you'll relate to this a little bit more. You're certainly appreciative of this. Some organizations look at their employees and they say, I tell you what, here's what we're going to do for you. We want the best for you in retirement. We want the best for you in the future. We want you to get to the end of your employment here and be in a great position financially. So in order to incentivize you to do the smart thing with your money now and invest some in retirement, Every time you invest, we're going to invest on your behalf. It's called matching. So you put X amount into retirement, and a lot of you, you have this at your organizations. You put X amount into retirement, and they say, okay, we're going to put X amount up to a certain dollar figure or a certain percentage, 
into retirement for you as well. It's not your money, it's our money, but we're going to put some of our organizational money into an account as a way to reward you and as a way to motivize and incentivize you, motivate, excuse me, and incentivize you to put money into your own future. Well, this is what Jesus is doing, only he's saying God doesn't do this thinking about your future retirement. God does this thinking about your future eternity. And he knows the way the world is set up. He knows the way he created you. He knows what's best for you to do with the finances, with the resources that have been placed in your hand. So he says, okay, here's the deal. If you will be wise with the resources you have here, I'm going to, every time I see you, do something good with that. Every time I see you use money for purposes greater than yourself, every time I see you use what you have to serve somebody else, every time I see you make a wise choice financially, I'm going to put some money into your account in heaven for you. And not today, not tomorrow, but one day when you get here, well, you're going to have a reward waiting on you. And it's not because we've earned it. It's not because we've deserved it. It's because our Heavenly Father wants what's best for us. And it is simply a way to motivate, to incentivize, to reward us for doing the right thing with whatever has been placed in our hands. This is what Jesus means by store up treasure in heaven, which leads to the question, well, why would he care what we do with our money? And how in the world do we store up treasure anyway? And here's what Jesus tells us. This is so important. He says, for where your treasure is, this is why it matters, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, what God cares about is not your money or my money. It's not what you own or what I own. What God cares about is our heart. But God knows this because he created the world and he created us to work this way. He knows that where your money goes, your heart follows. Now think about it. Where your money goes, your heart always follows. This is the power of money. It's not a bad thing. It's a neutral thing. You get to take this principle, which is just a principle of life. It's true for all of us. You get to take it, and you can either use it to bring about positive impact and outcomes in your life or negative ones. The principle's neutral. This is a tool God has placed in your hand. Where your money goes, your heart follows. So if you take all of your money, and it's going right back to you, right back to you, right back to you, where's your heart going? It's going right back to you. What's it going to create? Self-centered life. And here's where the problem comes. You are too small of a purpose to live for. Living for you doesn't create anything significant in life. The person who chooses to live for themselves gets to the end of life and realizes they have nothing to show for their lives but themselves. It's all revolved around them. There's nothing that's going to last on beyond them. So Jesus says, hey, I want you to take your money. I want you to do something very, very different with it. I want you to use it in a different way. I want you to take your money and I want you to use it to further my purposes in this world. I want you to invest it in what I care about in this world. I want you to use it to point people to me, to right wrongs, to bring about justice. I want you to use it to serve and to love other people. Because wherever you put your money, your heart's going to follow. And when your heart begins to move towards God and others, then you begin to experience a better life, a deeper life, a more meaningful, significant life. And you experience 
happiness. Because happy is the person whose life revolves around giving rather than receiving. In that giving, it moves your heart. And in that giving, it changes you. This is why Jesus looks at us and says, okay, don't spend your life in the consumption assumption, storing up everything for yourselves, grabbing everything you can grab, just thinking about you first, you second, you third. No, no, no. He says, why don't you learn how to store up treasure in heaven? Why don't you learn to put your money to a greater use than just yourself? Because where your money goes, your heart inevitably follows. Now, in order to live this out, you have to accept two truths. And if you feel yourself resisting a little bit, it's probably because you don't believe or you're not willing to embrace one of these next two truths. If you're going to live this out, you have to acknowledge and embrace the fact that ownership is a myth. It's a myth. In other words, you don't really own anything, and neither do I. That my goods are not my own. They're actually on loan to me from a good and a generous God. Now, if you find yourself resisting that, here's what I know. You're going to handle and treat your money very differently. Think about it. You treat differently something you own from something somebody else owns. You're actually more careful with something somebody else owns if you know them and you have a relationship with them. You borrow something, oh man, you're super careful. You don't want to bring it back with any scratches, any dings, any dents. You just treat it differently. If somebody loans you something, you're extra careful with it. Well, according to Jesus, we actually don't own anything. If you think about it, it's true. Because the things you have today that you say they're mine, they're mine, they're mine, well, you could lose them tomorrow, and one day you're going to leave them. You don't really own them. You don't really control them. God says, I have placed it all in your hands, and I can choose what's in your hands or what's not in your hands. I can choose to give or take away. But you and I don't own, we just manage. And if we begin to look at everything we have, the money in the bank, the retirement, the job, the house, the car, you know, on and on, the TV, you name it, whatever you own, whatever you have, what would change if you began to think about all of that as if this really isn't mine, God's just blessed me with this to manage for him? Well, I bet you would treat it a little differently. I bet you'd hold it with open hands. And I bet you would find ways to use whatever he's placed in your hands, not just for your own benefit, but for the benefit of other people. As long as you own it, you'll be greedy with it. The minute you come to the realization you just manage it, well, that's the point where you'll begin to do something meaningful with it. The other truth that you have to acknowledge and embrace is the fact that consumption is a mess. Consumption is a mess. And the simple reason it's a mess is because if I look at everything in my hands as if it's for my own consumption, then all of my money is going to come right back to me. And remember what Jesus said, where my money goes, my heart follows. And if my heart revolves around me, then my heart becomes so self-centered that I cannot see or live for anyone besides me. And that is a miserable way to live in the long run. It's not meaningful. It's not significant. And a lot of us know this. It doesn't actually produce long-lasting joy contentment, and happiness. Self-centeredness self-sabotages our ability to live meaningful, purposeful lives. So you've got to acknowledge ownership, it's a myth. Consumption is a mess. I just don't want to live that way. 
I want to manage whatever God's put in my hands for something greater than myself. So let's review real quick, and then we'll talk practically about how to do this. Three big lessons. I want is better than I owe. A financial hole is usually due to a lack of self-control. And happy is the person whose life revolves around giving rather than receiving, which leads us to this question. Well, how do you actually live this out? How do you learn these lessons? How do you practice these lessons? How do you change the way you manage money? Because for many of us, let's be honest, it's never been modeled for us. The only thing that was modeled was, hey, you take whatever you can, you save it, you spend it, but you use it all on yourself. It's all about you. That money was where we got our security. That's what so many of us have had modeled for us. How do you completely change that and live and manage money in a way that's different than you've ever seen before? Well, if you've been around here very long, you've heard me talk about this. It's not rocket science. There's a very simple plan you can follow that'll help you practice all three of these lessons. The plan is this. You give, you save, and then you live with a plan. That's it. You give, you save, and you live with a plan. Let me take two minutes and walk through these. First of all, you learn to give. If you want to live out these lessons, you've got to make giving the number one priority in your financial world. In other words, before you pay anything else, before you buy anything else, before you save anything else, you should give first. And the reason you, could, you should give first is because, again, where your money goes, well, your heart follows. So you should start by taking a percentage, and we're going to come back to that, a percentage of your income and put it towards what God cares about in this world. Put it towards serving and helping people. Put it towards helping other people discover who he is. That should be the very first thing you do. Every single month you get paid is to give. Generosity. If you want to develop generosity, if you want to become a generous person, if you want to know if you are a generous person, let me tell you how you do it. You look at what percentage of your income you are currently giving away. Do not look at the dollar amount. Dollar amounts fool us all. We look and we go, well, yeah, that's not so bad. No, no, no. You look at the percentage. The percentage never lies. Give you a quick example. If somebody makes $20,000 a year and they give away 10%, two grand. Somebody else makes $200,000 a year and they give away 10%, 20 grand. Well, which one is making the greater sacrifice? What if somebody's giving away, you know, they're making $200,000 and they're saying, I'm going to give away 2% of this, okay? $4,000. At the end of the year, they get a statement. I've given away $4,000. They go, oh my gosh, I'm so generous. No, no, no. They're not more generous than the person making 20 grand who gave away two, are they? I'd say the person who gave away $2,000 actually has a way more generous heart. It's a, it's a bigger percentage. You can get fooled by amounts. Percentage is what you need to look at. So what I would encourage you to do is pick a percentage, a percentage that reflects generosity for you. I don't know what it needs to be, but I'll tell you this. I've been fortunate to be around a lot of generous people in my life, people whose hearts had been absolutely changed and transformed by generosity. And they always thought in percentages. And when I started nosing around, you know, and convince them to actually tell you what percentages is, some of them would say, well, I give 10%. I've talked to people who give 20%. I've talked to people who give 30, 40% of their income away. They don't look at the dollar amount. 
They just think about percentages and they predecide the very first thing I'm going to do every time I get paid is give that percentage of that check away. So you give. You need to pick a percentage. I don't know what it needs to be for you, but you should pick a percentage that reflects generosity. Secondly, you should save. Now here's why. When you give, you will learn to apply the lesson happy is a person whose life revolves around giving rather than receiving. When you save, you're developing self-control, which means you will not end up in a financial hole. So just like giving, you should pick a percentage that you're going to save. I'm going to give first, and then I'm going to save second. I'm going to give this percentage of every check away. I'm going to put this percentage of every check into a savings account of some kind or into retirement. What that does is that prepares you for the future. It provides margin. And remember, margin gives you peace. Peace leads to happiness. And then third, you should live. What I mean by that is you should actually have a plan for how you're going to spend every dollar that comes in. If you don't know where your money goes, you will just wonder where it went month after month after month. So you should develop the habit of sitting down and actually planning out. I'm getting paid this much this month, and here's where every dollar of that's going to go. This much is going to giving, this much is going to saving, and the rest of this is going to go to all the other things, and you plan that out. That doesn't mean the plan's going to go perfect, but it means you're being intentional with what you have. Now, for those of you who are going, Matt, I would love to do this, but you just don't get it. Like, I don't make enough money. I don't have enough income. I don't have enough margin to give and to save. I'm just barely getting by. Okay, listen. In all probability, I'm not trying to be harsh, but in all probability, the reason you don't feel like you can give and save is probably because you do not live with a plan. You don't have a budget. You don't plan where your money is going to go. I've lived by this plan my entire life. When I made $12,000 a year, and it really wasn't that many years ago, I was able to give, I was able to save, I was able to live on a plan, and I've done it at every income level since then. It's hard. It's not easy. Some of you are going, that doesn't sound fun at all. Well, maybe it's not fun for you. But I'll tell you what it will be. It'll be more peaceful for you because it'll create more margin and you'll have more confidence in what you're doing financially. And it's going to lead to more happiness because happy is a person whose life revolves around giving rather than receiving. Happy is a person who has the self-control not to end up in a financial hole. And happy is the person who says, I'm going to choose to want instead of owe. And when you live on a plan and you plan where your money's going to go, guess what it causes you to do? It causes you to go, nope, I don't have the money for that. I'm not buying that. I'm not putting it on the credit card. I'm not taking out another loan. I will just want until I have enough to get it. I'm just not going to owe. This plan, give, save, live. It'll help you live out all three of the lessons we've talked about. So let me give you three questions, and I hope you'll take these questions and reflect on them. I really hope you'll sit down with family or with friends or with your small group, and you'll talk about them. Because if you reflect on this and begin to make some changes financially, if you come out of this pandemic better for it financially, you will never, ever regret it. And you will have gained something far greater than the pain that you may be going through right now. So here are the three questions. First of all, did one of these three financial lessons that we talked about today 
Happy is a person whose life revolves around giving rather than receiving. I want better than I owe. A financial hole is usually due to a lack of self-control. Did one of these or maybe another one land hard with you? You just need to be honest with yourself and honest with some people and say, oh my gosh, I am feeling the pain because I've ignored that lesson. Number two, where do you need to make some progress so you can be better for it financially? Do you need to give more? Maybe you need to save more. Maybe you need to live on a plan. You've never even tried to do that. If you're thinking, well, I don't even know how to start. Listen, just reach out to us. We have coaches who are happy to sit down with you and help teach you the skills and give you the plan and get you started with this. It's really not rocket science. We can help you if you'll ask. And then the third question, and I don't want you to ignore this one. Matter of fact, if you're only going to do one of the three, here's your homework. You do this one. What percentage of your income did you give in 2019? And how do you feel about it? For a lot of you, you have no idea what percentage. You're not even sure what amount, but you definitely don't know what percentage. You need to go back and you need to look at your tax records or however you record that. You need to figure that out. And then you need to decide, does this really reflect and develop a heart of generosity in me? Not like I was generous spontaneously and I was generous here and I was generous here. No, no, no. Are you the kind of person who's developed a generous heart and a generous habit that is intentional and is consistent. Now, the reason I'm harping on this for just a second is because this is always step one to your heart changing. Where your money goes, your heart follows. If you get great at saving and you get great at living on a budget, but you don't incorporate generosity, let me tell you what you're doing. You are merely making yourself more efficient at becoming selfish. That's all you're doing. And I'm not saying savings bad, and I'm not saying a budget's bad. I'm all for both of them. But if you do those two and you leave out giving first, you're just getting better at being self-centered. And you don't want that. You are too small a purpose to live for. God's got much greater things he wants to do in and through you. But your heart has to change, and your heart won't change until your money changes first. Where your money goes, your heart follows. Now, let me say this, and we'll wrap up. For some of you, this season has hit you really hard financially, and I know what your tendency is. Your tendency is to blame the economy. Your tendency is to blame your boss who let you go or cut your hours. Your tendency is to blame the organization you worked for. Your tendency is to blame the pandemic. Well, just, you know, who knew a pandemic was coming? I couldn't help it, you know. And if that's all you do, you will miss the value of all of these lessons you could learn. Let me tell you what you need to do. The reason this has hit you so hard financially is not because of all of those other things. It's because you ignored some sound, wise financial practices. And you weren't prepared for when this came. And you need to own your part of the contribution you made to the problem. And then you need to change. Own your part of the contribution you had to your pain. And then come on, let's change. Don't keep doing what you've been doing and hoping for different results. Hope is not a strategy. Why don't you start practicing how to give, how to save, and then how to live on a plan? How about you come out of this better for it? How about you come out of this with more margin? How about you come out of this with more peace? How about you learn how to give your life away to something bigger than yourself? Pain without gain, well, that's a shame. 
And you don't want to be the kind of person who wastes this pain. You want to be the person who grows from it. So if you want to grow financially, you have to remember, I want is always better than I owe. You have to remember, a financial hole, it's usually due to a lack of self-control, so you're going to be a person who practices self-control with your money. And you've got to remember, happy is the person whose life revolves around giving rather than receiving. So give, save, live, because where your money goes, your heart follows. Let me pray for us. Father, so often it's easy for us to see what we need to do, but it is so difficult for us to do it. And it's especially true financially. It's true because sometimes we don't know where to start and what to do, and we're scared to ask for help. We're too embarrassed to tell people we need help. We're too proud to acknowledge that we can't figure it out. Sometimes it's hard to do because we've just become so self-centered that we don't want to change. And it can be painful in the short term, but in the long run, you know, this is why you instruct us to do this, Jesus. You know, where our money goes, our heart follows. And our heart is always healthier and happier when it's focused on someone other than ourselves. So would you give us the wisdom to know what to do with this and then give us the courage to do it even though it is so, so hard. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you'd take a moment to rate and review this podcast, it would really be helpful. And if you live near our church, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our phenomenal children and student environments, just visit us at journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Look forward to seeing you soon.